Hey, a quick announcement before we get started. Yeah, the listener tournament has begun. If you've registered to participate in our listener tournament, you should have received an email with information and instructions back on Thursday. Now, your answers are due by Monday, September 5th at 12 p.m. Pacific. So if you've registered and haven't received the info, please let us know ASAP. And again, only listeners who have registered with us back in June are eligible for this round of the listener tournament. Thanks for listening and playing. And here's a new episode. Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you, yes. <laughs> Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. <laughs> everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong, and now from KPCC's Crawford Family Forum in Pasadena, California, in front of a live audience, here is our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen Hong. Thank you, everybody. So wonderful to see you. Uh, Helen, as you and I think some of our listeners will know, during the pandemic times when we were recording on Zoom, something else happened in my life, which is that uh, I became engaged to be married. What? Thank you very much. Congratulations. Thank you so You're much. positively glowing. Oh, well, I'm also pregnant. So, uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm not. That was around Christmas time when the engagement happens. And it turns out that once you do that, you have to think about planning a wedding. Yes, that's um, usually the uh, course yeah. of events. And I have never imagined what my wedding might be like because I thought, well, a wedding is a wedding is a wedding. Since that time oh of Oh, boy, yeah. how wrong you yeah. are. Well, I'm a very dumb heterosexual man. Um, <laughs> Since that time, I've attended three weddings with my fiance, oh. and so you can't help but when you go to these weddings, start to you know observe judge. and notice. Yeah, yeah, judge, judge is, a, a, is, yeah. A, is a much you more go, accurate go, way of I saying it. I can't believe they went with. For them. instance, uh, one of the weddings we went to had a full suite of carnival rides. Carnival rides. Yeah, they had a dinner like, catered by a celebrity chef. The, Wait, I'm still still stuck on carnival. Yeah, rides. okay, we can go back to the carnival. Are you rides, talking yes. about there was a Ferris wheel yes. and like Disney teacups and stuff? Yes. No, the Ferris wheel it turns out was was part of the standard package, and then they added the tilt a whirl and the slide, magicians and fire. Are you sure you weren't at a children's birthday party? It's quite possible that I was. It's quite possible that I was. Although those children were drinking a lot from that open bar. Whoa! Yeah. That I have never been to a carnival ride wedding. Yeah. I, I'm like jealous of this experience. I should that. clarify that the wedding did not take place on a carnival ride. Like the wedding it ceremony. It wasn't like I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have. I would have. I would have enjoyed that. Wow. So it turns out there are options. I'm looking forward to having a full-on roller coaster at my wedding. I think it's going to be fantastic. Do you think that you're leaning towards a carnival-themed wedding for yourself? I don't. I think maybe a carnival-themed wedding night, but I don't know if we want to get into that right now. Oh, kids. <laughs> Helen, today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics, and finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest, Helen, who was up first. She is an award-winning and best-selling poet, columnist, and activist whose work has been featured in the New York Times, Los Angeles Times, NPR, and more. It's Jessica Salgado! Jessica Salgado! 
Hello, everybody. Hello, Jessica. Jessica, first question off the gate. Have you ever been to a wedding where there was a Ferris wheel? I've been to weddings that felt like we were on a Ferris wheel. <laughs> yeah. Jessica, you are the author of three poetry books. You're a two-time National Poetry Slam finalist. You're also a recipient of the 2020 International Latino Book Award in Poetry. Everybody. I'm going to need you to, re- to like... I'm going to record that voice clip and play it for my mom when yeah. she thinks. I think you should use I do it as your, your outgoing voicemail. Just, yes, yeah. just whenever yeah. you call. Yeah. And that Hello, you've reached Jessica, <laughs> the author of three poetry books, a two-time National Poetry Slam finalist and recipient of the 2020 International Latin. Oh, everyone, I, ran out, I ran out of time. I'll try to do it quicker next time, Jessica. I'm terribly, terribly sorry. Thank you. A common theme that I noticed in your work is the use of mangoes. And I was wondering if you could tell us more about what mangoes mean to you from your cultural background, especially. My family's from El Salvador. Mm -hmm. And in our home property that my grandparents bought when they first got married is lined by mango trees. (gasps) And so all of my memories of going to my parents' home country was about like picking these mangoes and like eating them and Sometimes I threw them at the cow so that they wouldn't like follow me because I was terrified. <laughs> There's such a big part of my childhood and and like going back home to my roots. And it's also what I call my followers on social media. Yeah, that's the next part I was going to ask. Uh, yeah. <laughs> tell us about that, because when you were announcing that you were going to be on this show, you said, mangoes, come to the yes. show. Yeah, I don't like calling people followers because that means I'm leading them and that feels mm-hmm. like a cult. Uh-huh. Although I feel like I could be a really good cult leader. I don't want to be. So it's mangoes. It's a familiar name. And whenever, like, are there any of my mangoes? Mangoes here? Oh, look See, at the mangoes! So, we got yes, mangoes! Hi. So that's usually, usually I, I, that's my call out in a show. Okay. I love that you have, you have in the space of one minute, you, you've taken a fruit and turned it into sustenance, a weapon, <laughs> and also a fan base. And now I feel like I need to do the same. Uh, uh, what are you going to use, Helen? Uh, mission figs? Anyone? Any? Any Where's of Helen's my mission figs? We got a mission my, fig over my there. My mission yes. figs over yeah. here. Yeah. There you go. Where are Helen's MFs? No, that might not work. I don't know if that's going to work. <laughs> Last one to ask about: We mentioned that uh, you have had success as a slam poet, uh, both nationally and then locally. Uh, you performed at the Poetry Lounge. Yes. You may not know this. I have been a judge at a the Poetry Lounge Poetry really? Slam before. Yes. So the Poetry Lounge is my home venue. It's mm-hmm. where I began performing, and I'm also part of the board now. Now that, so I've been there for 14 years. Whenever you were there, I was probably there too. Okay. You just didn't see me because I was probably in the background. Well, I went there and I just went to go and experience the slam and they asked me if I wanted to be a judge and I said, well, I've never been a judge and they said, perfect. Yes. Um, For those who don't know how slam works is that uh, someone will go up and perform a poem and then the judges will hold up cards. Oh, like an Olympic Like an Olympic thing. Like on a scale scale of one to 10, sorry. Zero to 10. Zero to 10. Zero to 10. Well, here's what's interesting about that because they get very mad if it's anything less than maybe a 9.6 and I have uh, what some would call a critical eye you're and Bulgaria yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if you were an Olympic judge you would be Bulgaria people I was like oh, Bulgaria is so rough yeah have you had experiences where because where, it seemed to me like okay th- at first they were allowing me to sort of calibrate my scores yes so, so that they could be more you know, higher. Uh, but have you had experiences where people refuse to, to play along with that and give zeros and give low scores? Oh, I've gotten a 2.4 before. <gasps> Outrageous! So the whole point is that anybody at random judges you, it yeah. makes poetry for the people. And that was why Slam was created. And that's 
the fun of it. And yeah. so there's some science to it, but there's no science to it. Right. So that's the really fun part. Uh-huh. You want to beat up the poets afterwards. But, hey. I mean, not the judges, but you don't. Cause... I think that kind of theory is going to fit in very well for this show. Yes. <laughs> where the scoring is done on a very similar basis where nothing <laughs> means anything. Thank you so much for joining us. Jessica Salgado, everybody. Helen, against whom will Jessica be competing? He is a comedian who currently hosts the 51st season of The Price is Right on CBS and Drew Carey's Friday Night Freakout on Sirius XM Channel 21. It's Drew Carey! Drew Carey! Hello, nice to meet you. Hello, Drew. Wonderful to see you. Nice to see Drew, you. are are your fan base people named after a fruit as well? No. What what are they called? Drew Carey fans. <laughs> Drew Carey fans. <laughs> catchy, catchy. <laughs> uh, Drew, as Helen mentioned, you are currently hosting the fifty first season of The Price Is Right. It is your fifteenth season, which is very. This is, it's actually my sixteenth. It is your sixteenth season. Yes. I just started two weeks ago doing shows. Unbelievable. Now, the last few, you've had to uh, deal with uh, different things because of the COVID pandemic. How how has the show changed for those who have not seen it recently? Well, we don't have a full audience like we used to. And then for the one year, we just would screen people ahead of time. We'd bring out everybody from backstage. So it'd just be four people at a podium. Mm -hmm. That was a whole season. Yeah. This will be the second season using these things. We call them pods. Mm -hmm. It's a table about this big. They look like bandstand. Mm Mm-hmm tables and four people behind each one and people sit in twos and threes and fours behind those and get called down from their family who were friends whoever they came with so it's a little better okay but you, then, you don't have like sort of the revival meeting style that you no, have that, hopefully, that's a lot of people ask me about that all the time but we have to get buy-in from like the unions yeah. and the guy the, the company that owns the building we're in CBS, mm-hmm. us, about what rules there are. So there's yeah. a lot of people with say so. Yeah, but you're there to keep people safe and also to have joy and give away money. Not no, just no, money, that's, but that's exactly furniture. It. Yeah, prizes. Yeah. Furniture. People joke about the furniture, but during COVID, if it was a new home office, people would go bananas. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that and makes woo. sense. Like yeah. you needed that. A new computer yeah. too. Do you, how much, uh, how often is the, the big price wheel that spins? Because you know, that's like, for me, the pièce de résistance. How often do they Lysol that? We clean it all the time now. Oh, good. In the old days before COVID, never. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you did not want to go into that hot tub. <laughs> Let me tell you something. No, I have touched it that wheel. Like when it was in the, ho- I had to, I had business on that lot, and it was like when you weren't taping, and so it was just in the hallway, and I was like, oh my god, I have to touch it. So I touched it, and uh, now I know why I had that rash. <laughs> That's why. I was curious to to see that despite you having done over twenty eight hundred episodes, you're still about four thousand behind Bob Barker. I'll never catch up with that. You don't think you'll catch up with him, huh? No, sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he did 35 years mm. I was 50 when I started He was 50 when he started Whoa. I can't see myself at 85 Still doing that I mean maybe Like TV is so much different I don't know if TV is going to be the same It might be just on a chip in your brain In 10 mm. years you know? I mean it'll You'll be a hologram Yeah So then you might even go longer me. They'll have to pay my hologram I'll get something I'll get a percentage <laughs> I honestly worry about that I'm like why do they need me When they could just make a hologram Of Bob or me And just have that on the show Don't, don't say that <laughs> 
Uh, well, speaking of Bob Barker, you've said that Bob was very kind to you as you were transitioning yes. into the role, and that uh, the best advice he gave was to make the show your own. Yeah, he said, "Don't try to copy me; just make the show your own." It now, was a, it was th- a threat. That could sound threatening, though. Yeah. <laughs> He was holding me by the throat. <laughs> so uh, w- 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 were there decisions that you can remember that you felt like, okay, this is a Drew Carey decision. This is something that's making the show my own. The first season, they were all like, stand here, say this, watch how Bob did it, do mm-hmm. it like that. And it wasn't until like second season where I was like, they let me wander around a little bit. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to explain the rules correctly, and that's all I have to do. But then you're off on your own. Then I'm on my own, that's yeah. Great. Well, let's talk about this other show that you do, Friday Night Freak Out. It is on Sirius XM. Oh, you want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah. Well, you, you told me you wanted to. I love so. that show. Oh, great. No, it's great. It's great. I, uh, do a, I do a rock and roll radio show on uh, Little Steven's Underground Garage on Sirius 21 every Friday night. Yeah. Thank you. That's so cool. And they let me pick my own music. I get three hours to play and do whatever I play, whatever I want, as long as it's on format. I can't play anything I want. I've been on that station over like 12 years or... 13 years or something. I used Unfortunately, to be... Bob Barker's done another 20 yeah, after yeah. that, but it's, it's still very nice. Yeah, I have to catch up with Wink Martindale yeah. now on the radio. And I just play whatever rock and roll I want. Dance. And you just like doing it because you're a music fan? Yeah, I don't get any money or anything. Like, they couldn't pay me. Little Steven Van Zandt, when I, he plays with Springsteen famously, yeah. and uh, when I first got the show, he called me up and he goes, oh, thanks, welcome to the family and everything. And I said... I don't want any money, but one day I'm going to hit you up for Springsteen tickets. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I got my Springsteen tickets off him one time, the very last show at the Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got pit passes, <gasps> and I got backstage to meet Steven with my friends. Not not Springsteen. He was in a separate thing. <laughs> Greatest show. And then I'm going to hit him up for Springsteen tickets again. And that's all I'm doing. I'm doing it for Springsteen tickets. Show business, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a great show. I really enjoyed listening to it. And for people who uh, aren't able to listen to it live, it's also available on the SiriusXM app or on... For stream. Uh, yeah, you can stream it on the yeah. app. Yeah, they have a couple shows. Last thing too. I wanted to ask is, uh, Jessica, when you found out that you were going to be appearing on the show with Drew, you were particularly excited. Do you want to geek out for a little bit and get it out of your system now? I was telling him, you know, the Drew Carey show would come on late at night and the whole theme song has been playing in my, in my head <gasps> since... Since, like, I found out we were going to be on the show together, and Mimi is a staple at our home. Like, our family <laughs> knows. Like, when I was telling my mom who you were, she was like, huh? I'm like, Mimi. And she was like, oh, yes. That show. <laughs> so, yeah. but I'm a fan. Thank you very much. You're a mango for Drew Carey? I'm a Drewy. A Drewy. We got our name. Oh, that's better. Very nice. Well, thank you both so much for being here. Drew Carey, everybody, and Jessica Salgado. <laughs> All right, Jessica and Drew, we ask each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Jessica, you said you know a lot about the movie Dirty Dancing, the TV show Sex and the City. Of course. And this follows Catholicism. <laughs> wow, that really tracks. That really yeah. does track. You know? can't, have, can't have one without the other. Whereas, Drew, you said you know a lot about the movie The Producers, Garage Band Rock, and Cleveland. The Catholicism of the Midwest. I like to think. (laughs) I like to think I know a lot about Cleveland. Well, we'll find out. out. Later on, we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of these topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, home plate. First up, Jessica. Jessica, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? I will let them tell you themselves. Is that because we have a listener recording? No, Jake Heath. It's because we have a live, in-person listener submission. 
All right. What? <laughs> Listeners, if you would like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactorpod.com and click on Get Involved. Okay, take it away, listener. Hello, listener. Hi, I'm Leora Saul from Los Angeles, and my question for What's the Difference is, while both might be a type of plate that you find in your home, what's the difference between ceramic and porcelain? Leora Saul, thank you so much for being here, Leora. All right, Jessica, you heard the question from Leora. What is the difference between ceramic and porcelain? I think porcelain is more expensive, and it's considered like a collector's item or like... Passed along generations. Passed along generations. Yeah, with that ceramic, you're just going to throw that away the first chance you get. Yeah. Absolutely. We've got Jessica's answer. We don't know yet if she's entirely correct. Drew, if you don't think she's got it just right, you can steal. What do you think? Isn't ceramic a type of like clay pot and porcelain is more like a glass, doesn't have any clay in it? Doesn't have any clay in it. All right. Something like that. Well, if you want to get technical. Well, that that kind of is what we want to do, Jessica. (laughs) uh, I'm sorry if I didn't make that clear before. All right, this segment needs to be thrown on the floor at a Greek restaurant. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Ceramic is a term for an object made from any clay, which has been fired at any temperature in a kiln. Porcelain is a specific type of ceramic that is made from specific white clays and is kiln-fired at a very high temperature. This gives porcelain a white color unless it's painted or stained and a very smooth, non-porous, glassy surface. Porcelain is also translucent. Unlike brown, red, or black ceramics, light can pass through porcelain. That's right. Now, if you flick your fingernail on real porcelain, it will ring with a bell-like sound, unlike other ceramics, which will make kind of a clunk sound. Uh, And if you flick me with your fingernail, I will make an ouch sound. (laughs) Helen, how did our guest do? I don't suggest that. Nope. Uh, Drew Carey, I think you got one point. One point for Drew Carey, all right. Well, up next in Home Plate is Drew. Drew, while they both take place at Home Plate in baseball, what's the difference between a plate appearance and an at-bat? A plate appearance and an at-bat. Man, are you kidding me? And, and apparently I need, to, I need to specify, we are looking for the technical differences. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think an at-bat is when you are actually at the plate and you swing at a ball that's pitched to you. Mm-hmm. So you have an at-bat and a plate appearance... I think if you just go up there and they walk you or something like that, mm-hmm. they don't count that as an at-bat. They just count it as a plate appearance. All right. We've got Drew's answer. We don't know yet if he's entirely correct. Jessica, what do you I'm think? I'm probably not. <laughs> not with that attitude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just taking a guess. Sure. Let's just say to go different from Drew, if you try to slide into home plate, but you don't, you're out. You try to slide into home plate, but but you're you're out. out. You've appeared at the plate. You've appeared, but but it doesn't count. But it doesn't count. Kind of like me here. Oh, no. No, Can I change my answer? I don't believe so, but what would you Uh, have changed it to? uh, A plate appearance is when you father the baby, but don't pay child support. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this segment is striking out. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Both at-bats and plate appearances are ways of keeping track of what a batter did at the plate. It's a plate appearance every time you finish batting, no matter what the result. Most plate appearances are also at-bats. Whether your turn at-bat results in a home run, a strikeout, or a single, or almost any other scenario in which you are out or safe on base. But the real difference is, if you reach base without hitting the ball, like you draw a walk or get hit by a pitch, 
then that's counted only as a plate appearance and not an at-bat. That's right. There are a few other batting results that count as plate appearances and not as at-bats, like the rare catcher's interference or the common sacrifice flies. By the way, you also sacrifice flies if you feed them to your pet frog. Helen, how did our guest do? <laughs> I think Drew got a point and a half. I said walk. Yeah, 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 I'll give you two points. You know, really? Drew, okay, two, two points, points for Drew. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Jessica Salgado has zero points, and Drew Carey has three points. But those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Let's talk about meat, baby. Let's talk about M-E-A-T. Helen... That uh, very unfortunate cover, which I'm hoping does not get flagged by people looking Amazing. to get paid, uh, is all my subtle way of saying how excited I am to talk about meat, and especially meat from our sponsor, ButcherBox. <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed by your musicianship and your ability to do what you just did, whatever well, that was. <laughs> keep those standards nice and low, unlike the standards that are held very high by our sponsor, ButcherBox, because high-quality meat, high-quality meals, that is what you get from ButcherBox. They take the guesswork out of finding high-quality meat and seafood with 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Choose from a variety of box plan options from curated to customize and change your plan whenever you want. Recipe inspiration, guides, tips, and hacks. Some are even personalized so you can cook up mouth-watering meals. What I love about ButcherBox, not only is the quality, but the variety. You know, sure, I try things that I've tried before. I know how to make a nice pork chop. I know how to make a, a nice, simple steak. But they put in things like chicken wings, and I'm not a wing guy. I don't know how to put this thing together. Mm. They have these easy instructions. It now is my favorite ButcherBox thing, are the wings that you can make oh. so, so easy. It is high quality stuff and you know getting that high quality meat you don't always know what you're going to get from the grocery store but you know what you're going to get from butcher box and what you're going to get is quality and helen speaking of chicken my god they've got free chicken now what yes take chicken breasts off your grocery list butcher box is offering our listeners an incredible deal that they've never offered before Free chicken for a year. Buck, buck. <laughs> Get two pounds of free-range organic chicken breasts for free in every order when you sign up at butcherbox.com slash gofact and use code gofact. That's butcherbox.com slash gofact and use code gofact. Thank, Thank you, Butcherbox. Butcherbox. This week, Greatest Discovery becomes Greatest Trek. That's because Greatest Trek is for way more than just Discovery. We renamed our hit show that's on Maximum Fun, covering all the new Star Trek shows. Lower Decks, Strange New Worlds, Picard, Prodigy, Discovery, and any other new Star Trek show Paramount throws at us. Come find out why we're the most important Star Trek podcast on the internet with our funny, informative recaps of all the new Star Trek shows that Paramount keeps churning out. Subscribe to Greatest Trek. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. 
Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Jessica Salgado and Drew Carey. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you so much, Helen. Thank you, everybody. All right, Jessica, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the movie Dirty Dancing, the TV show Sex and the City, and Catholicism. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us what the movie Dirty Dancing means to you. My sisters and I taped it on VHS for the kids that don't know what VHS is. It was before DVDs. Mm -hmm. And we would watch it over and over. And then for one of my birthdays, I was gifted from Billy Crystal, a family friend, tickets to go see the musical, Dirty Dancing. Oh. And it's just always Wait, been my favorite Wait, Billy film. Crystal is a family friend? Yes. I love that you just nice slid that in yeah. like, I mean, all low key. I was going to say, I got, and then I'm like, but no, it was like really special because yeah. it was a birthday present from his family. And it's also like what I watch when I'm like sad and was nobody the, puts baby in the Was the corner. live musical as good as the movie? It got weird. It got weird. It was, it was good. It was very yeah. good. I really enjoyed it. But it was stuff that wasn't in the movie. And mm-hmm. like at a young oh. age, you don't understand yeah. that things are different in right. musicals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you're, you're sticking with the movie as your prime yes. category. All right. You also said you know a lot about the TV show Sex and the City. Yes. I tour a lot for book tours. Mm-hmm. And it's the show that I put on in whatever hotel I'm in to keep me company because all the voices sound familiar. Okay. And oh. I've watched all the episodes so many times. So it's like, oh yeah, Carrie's being Carrie again and yeah. all that, you know. She does tend to do that, doesn't you she? You know. Not do, Carrie. Do yeah. people ask you like, which character would you be? In yeah. I mean, I'm Carrie. I have a dating and romance column. Yeah, yes. You got the necklace with your name on it that I she used to have. Yeah. Have you ever taken the official internet quiz to find out which yeah, character? Yeah, I don't go, no. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drew's mm. a Samantha. Let's face yeah, it. Yeah, let's be honest. I took it. I'm the bus that goes by at the beginning. <laughs> uh, all right. And then finally. <laughs> I'm the gay best friend. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then finally, Jessica, you said you know a lot about Catholicism. <laughs> it was part of the colonization. And so that that's how that came introduced yeah. into yeah. us. And then at 14, I announced I wanted to be a nun. Uh-huh. I was at church every single day except Wednesdays. I don't know why I wasn't what? there on Wednesdays, but I was at church Well, even God day. rested one day from what you I know, understand. I yeah. think the priest would be like, go home. And, <laughs> You're crapping my style. But yeah. I really, I... And what was it that got you off Catholicism? Was it dirty dancing or sex in the city? It was both. It was both. I Excellent. did a lot, of, a lot of dirty dancing in the city. Indeed. All right. <laughs> Uh, so to summarize, Jessica, you said you know a lot about the movie Dirty Dancing, the TV show Sex and the City, and Catholicism. Today we're going to quiz you about the movie Dirty Dancing. Beautiful. I am so excited. Sorry to disappoint you all, you Catholicism heads. <laughs> uh, when's the last time you think you saw the movie? I, I Some part, sometime during lockdown. Oh, okay, yeah. It's a good, yeah. It's a good comfort movie for that mm-hmm. time. Uh, it's do you so have, good. Yeah, do you have a favorite scene or a favorite line? My favorite scene is in the cabin when she gives him the speech and then she goes, and most of all, I'm scared of leaving this room and never feeling again the way I feel like when I'm with you. you know, I'm, I'm a poet, so. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you appreciate the I poetry. I got chills. I got chills. A baby. Just yeah. you saying it. Uh, great. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic, Jessica, to test your mastery with our expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. Now, if you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Drew, do listen closely because if Jessica gets any of these wrong, you can steal. By the way, Drew, how much do you know about the movie Dirty Dancing? It's given me so many times in my life. (laughs) (laughs) And you've never felt like that before. Before, Yes. All right. I didn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> but now I do, and I appreciate it all the more. And he owes all to you. All yeah. right. 
Here is question number one. Dirty Dancing features dancers from many different backgrounds. For example, there's Penny, who people in the film say used to dance with what famous high-kicking troupe from Radio City Music Hall? The Rockettes. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. You're on your way. In fact, not all former Rockettes stick with dancing. Heather Ann Bottom, for instance, became a systems engineer at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory right nearby, working on the Mars mission. The Mars mission, by the way, was a topic on episode 84 of Go Fact Yourself. All right, here's question number two. Drew might have given you a little bit of help on this one. Dirty Dancing didn't just do well at the box office. It also won an Academy Award. For what duet did the movie win the Oscar for Best Original Song? Time of my life. Helen? Yeah, I'll give it to you. All right, yes, it's I've had the time of my life. But yes, very good. Uh, Fun fact, that song also won a Golden Globe, a Grammy, and was a number one hit on the Billboard charts. There was, by the way, a proper theme song written for the movie called Dirty Dancing, which was not used, but did end up being included in the pilot of Baywatch. Huh? And that is a fun fact I believe you will only get on our show. You did not ask for the hint in that, unfortunately, but Helen, what would that hint have been? Hmm... Helen Hong, ladies and gentlemen. Jakey Fence Ratton, ladies and gentlemen. Taking the soprano. I was hoping that Helen would jump off the stage. Oh, you know. We're only on question number two, <laughs> Jessica. We got a long you were way to go. That Jake Heath would leap yeah. into I'm my just, arms. I'm wondering how much money that just cost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it if it makes the final cut, you'll know, you'll know not a lot. All right, you're Woo. two for two, Jessica. Here's question number three. I have a feeling you might be familiar with this scene. During a vulnerable moment with Patrick Swayze's Johnny, Jennifer Grey's baby confesses that she's scared of everything and then lists some specifics. But which of the following is not one of the things that she said she's scared of? Is it what I saw, what I heard, what I did, who I am, or walking out of this room and never feeling the rest of my whole life the way I feel when I'm with you? Who I am. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. Oh. Drew with a chance to steal. Pope Pius III. <laughs> <laughs> I'm positive. <laughs> Drew, do you have a guess of the remaining uh, choices? Uh, say again? Is it what I saw, what I heard, what I did, who I am, or walking out of this room and never feeling <laughs> what the rest I saw. of my... Helen? That is not correct. No. What um, I did. No, I'm sorry, only one guess. And yet, that's also wrong. <laughs> no, it's uh, what I heard. She did not say what I heard, so no point there for either of you. By the way, the fear of walking is called ambulophobia. The fear of walking out of this room and never feeling the rest of my whole life the way I feel when I'm with you is, I'm guessing, called Johnny Castlephobia. Uh, all right, no point there. Let's see if you can bounce back with this one. Question okay. number four. You do have your hints available if yes. you'd like to. Here we go. Speaking of Johnny and Baby, perhaps the most famous line in the movie is, nobody puts Baby in the corner. But the line might not have been as memorable if Johnny had said this line using her full proper name. That's because Baby's real first and last name is what? Francis Hauser. Helen? Close enough. I'll give it to you. All right. To get the point. Very good. Francis Hausman. Francis Hausman. Hausman. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. 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 Hausman. Yeah. I think the line would have been a little different if he had said, nobody puts Francis Hausman in a corner. Fun fact, Patrick Swayze hated saying that line, which was later <laughs> named by the American Film Institute as one of the 100 greatest movie quotes of all time. He really sold it, didn't he? He really did. Yeah. I, he, he was acting. 
I mean, what? trivia too is that yeah. that he looks upset in the in the scene mm-hmm. and it's because it was like i don't like some number of take right. of the scene and he was like fed up with it already yeah really and, and also baby yeah. was not in a corner in that scene <laughs> she was clearly up against a flat wall yeah. with nothing to the other i mean there was a little there was a plant or something yeah right come on nobody, right. nobody puts baby near a plant yeah that makes sense nobody puts francis houseman near a plant <laughs> yes <laughs> it's just not the not the same moving up that it. afi list with that one <laughs> Yeah. All right, yes, yeah, here is question number five. Dirty Dancing was released in 1987, but it was re-released in theaters in 1997, largely due to the effort of a comedian who inspired fans to place over 80,000 phone calls to the distributor until it relented. What comedian was it? Wow, I have no idea, so I'll take a hint. Helen, how about that hint? At the time, he hosted Late Night on NBC. Later, he hosted The Tonight Show. And Drew Carey has been his guest on both. Uh, Jay Leno? Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. Drew Carey with a chance to steal. He hosted Late Night. At the time he hosted Late Night. And then, then later, later on, he hosted The Tonight Show. Conan O'Brien? Helen? That is correct. That is correct. A successful ah, steal from Drew Carey. Sorry, Jessica. It's okay. You still did quite well in that round. Thank you. Fun fact, Conan had threatened to fire his show's trombonist if the studio did not re-release the film. That re-release made Dirty Dancing another $500,000 at the box office. Yeah, that was a tough one, though. Uh, all right. That trombonist was sweating. Yeah, huh? for real. All right, Jessica, you still did quite well in that round, but now here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. Oh, nice. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. Jessica, one of the small but pivotal roles in the film is that of Mo Pressman's wife, who has the hots for Johnny, gets caught sleeping with Robbie, and falsely accuses Johnny of stealing a wallet. For up to three points, what was the character of Mrs. Pressman's first name? When we first meet her, what term was used to describe her, followed by the line, that's what we call the women who stay here all week, the husbands only come up on weekends, and what additional behind-the-scenes job did the actor who played her have on the film working alongside Kenny Ortega? I think I only know one of the three. That's Does all right. Come uh, audience, hint? please, very quiet. Let, uh, let her figure it out. A cabin bunny. A cabin bunny, okay. And that's, that's all I got for you for right now. Can't quite pull the name. Okay, and then do you want to take yes. a guess? Do you want to just she take was a hot. Guess? I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, do you want to take a guess at what, what job she had behind the scenes working with uh, Kenny Ortega, alongside Kenny Ortega? Choreographer. Okay. Perhaps. Perhaps. I'll stick with that. It'll, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Helen is taking note of your answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight via Zoom is an accomplished actor, dancer, and choreographer whose work includes starring as Mrs. Pressman and working as assistant choreographer in Dirty Dancing. It's Miranda Garrison. Hello, Miranda Garrison. <laughs> Hello, Hello, Miranda. Hello. We're happy to have you join us. Thank you for being here, Miranda. I'm delighted. I'm so excited. Well, in addition to your work on Dirty Dancing, which we'll talk about in a moment, you were, of course, an accomplished dancer and teacher. Among your many films that you've worked on, you worked on Xanadu with Gene Kelly and Olivia Newton-John. What? You were the choreographer for the movie Selena with Jennifer Lopez. Wow. And you worked on a couple of movies that I'd forgotten actually had amazing choreography. You don't think of them, which are the Naked Gun movies. 
My favorite employer, the Zucker Brothers. Yes, and you actually said that that was the most fun you've had was the Naked Gun movies. Tell us about that. They're so great, the Zucker Brothers. They let me come into their trailer and they said, pitch us an idea. And I said, I've always wanted to throw the diva into the orchestra pit head first. Have the gay uh, background dancers take a bow and have the diva climb up like wouldn't Liza with a tuba on her head. And I got to do it. And you got to do it. Dreams come true. And that was Pia Zadora, if I'm not mistaken. That was the wonderful Pia Zadora, and what a good sport she was. Yeah. Yes. Well, let's talk about Xanadu for a second. As, as everyone knows, we recently lost Olivia Newton-John. I'm so sorry I know uh, that you work closely with her. What, what can you tell us about her? What are some of your memories of working with Olivia Newton-John on Xanadu? Olivia Newton-John was the sweetest, most down-to-earth, all-inclusive human being that you could work with and she wanted to make sure that all of the dancers the extras and everybody were well cared for there wasn't a diva bone in her body Mm. a class act and a true lady and wonderful talent that's wonderful to hear and i'm I'm sorry for your loss obviously it means more to you than than it did just for us but of course watching her we all felt like we knew her all right well let's talk about dirty dancing you kind of got the part by default tell us about how you ended up in the movie i got the part by default i just came on board as assistant choreographer to Kenny Ortega and while we were there the original woman playing the mother had some sort of low blood sugar problem and wanted us to find her fresh fish uh, out of the lake (laughs) somehow it didn't work out the role of the mother was empty Kelly Bishop looked at the better role of the mother and thought hmm okay producers I'll take the role of the mother and so Kenny turned to me and from day one Kenny's a visionary and he had even told me you're going to be end up playing this role and I said oh my god you're crazy well sure enough I went to my cabin still not believing it crack of dawn Kenny Ortega Cindy Rhodes and Patrick Swayze banging on my doors to wake me up with my margarita pitcher what <laughs> hugged me to hair and makeup dolled me up as Vivian and I shot my first scene that day wow oh my god and it's all because of fresh fish <laughs> all because of fresh fish absolutely <laughs> what I, fresh fish should be your favorite dish every day <laughs> Well, unfortunately, I ha- I cannot lie. Mangoes would be my favorite. Oh, that's yes. sweet. Let's talk a little bit about the choreography. You did work alongside Kenny Ortega as the chief choreographer in Dirty Dancing. What was the scene that was the most challenging to choreograph from the movie? I think the most challenging part, because Kenny and I in junior high school were like those junior high school kids that did groove social dancing. So we had that. Patrick Swayze, not true. He was a highly trained ballet dancer. Mm-hmm. So to get Patrick to do those partner dances and get off his toes was the biggest challenge. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Whoa. To literally get down. Yes. Yeah. And, and he kind of overdid the frame. You know, we made kind of a metaphor of the frame. Wonderful director, Emil Ardolino, rest in peace. He used that throughout, plus the, the lift of baby throughout. And Patrick, of course, can lift a woman. But it was that ballet carriage that we tried to get him more low and groovy and funky and street. And you did. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) We talked about I've Had the Time of My Life, and that song obviously played a big part in the movie. You were actually there when that song was chosen to be the big finale. Yes, I was in a rehearsal room with the great Kenny Ortega, and they brought a paper bag with cassettes. Can you imagine? And we'd listen to a lot of music. (laughs) He puts it on, and all of a sudden, I had the time, and my body just rose. I floated to the middle of the rehearsal dance space and I started spinning as though I were channeling the gods and Kenny went, I think that's our song. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of me and Jake Keith's rendition? Yeah, did you have a chance to hear that? Yeah. 
Did you hear us uh, humming it? I think we got to do it again, Helen. We really, yeah. we really can't. No, no, no. You're, 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 I don't want you to you hang up. You didn't miss yeah. much. Yeah, no, no, no. no. Honestly, you need to take cred for it because it had that, that populist version. <laughs> yes. It was the dance of the people. I always said I have a voice of the people. <laughs> And of certain animals. That is the the nicest put down I have ever received. I did a populist version, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Miranda, you mentioned that nobody expected it to be a hit. Actually, look this up. A week from tonight will be 35 years since the original release of the the movie. Was there a moment where you realized, oh, this is actually a thing? People are really going to see me and my work. Yes. They weren't even going to release it, I believe, is some of the story. They finally did in like kind of a quiet release. It was actually actually a lot of women that saw the movie and word of mouth that brought the, the resurrected yeah. it. It got so big at a certain point. I think a lot of us in the movie started feeling we almost had nothing to do with it. It started mm. being its own monster in a way. But it was the moment that my sister, who's lived a normal nine to five kind of job her whole life, and she said, you're my sister. You're in Hollywood. You're used to these kind of things. But I must ask you, <laughs> do you think if I'd been on that hill in that summer in Johnny Castle's arms, I could have done <laughs> the dance at the Sheldrake. And she started crying. And oh. that's when I knew we hit on something. Wow. It has pathos and joy. It's corny, but it's human. I watched it at a very young age. And like Jessica, I was I was raised in a very religious family. And I think it was one of the movies that made me uh, not religious anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Quite good. Well, you know what? It's actually quite a, a morality play. Absolutely. My farmer father up in Oregon, though, I have to admit, when he says, I don't know you're down in the snake pit of Hollywood working on some damn movie. <laughs> he says, uh, what's it called? And I said, well, Dad, it's called <laughs> Summer Dancing. <laughs> <laughs> because at the time, dirty dancing wasn't the catch word that it yeah. is now. So it sounded like it could have had a shade of porno to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I think that was wise. All right, well, let's yeah. get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Jessica. First, we wanted to know, what was the character of Mrs. Pressman's first name? Helen, what did Jessica say? Jessica couldn't pull a name for that. No, I'm terribly sorry, but what was your character's name we know now? My character's name was Vivian Pressman. Vivian was the uh, name we were Vivian. looking for. I'm yes. sorry, no point there. I think it was in your in your brain. Just didn't it, was, quite... it was somewhere in there. Yeah, it didn't, didn't quite make it out. That's all right. Next, we wanted to know, what was the term that was used to describe Vivian, followed by the line, that's what we call the women who stay here all week. The husbands come up only on weekends. Helen, what did Jessica say? Jessica said cabin bunny. Miranda? Close, but no cigar. Bungalow bunny. Bungalow bunny. Would you like to give her a half point for that or a full point? It's up to you. I'm going to give her, can I give her a full point? You can. You're the judge. The audience is applauding. I think they like that idea. And I I just want to say I love her your poetry so much. The full point for your gorgeous poetry uh, makes me very happy. Thank you so much. And you are still as stunning as you were in the film. Like, you're a smoke show. (laughs) Hell yeah. All right. Well, let's see if that encourages uh, Miranda to give you a point for this one. Uh, We also wanted to know what additional behind-the-scenes job did the actor who played Mrs. Pressman have on the film working alongside Kenny Ortega? Helen, what did Jessica say? Jessica said choreographer. And Miranda? I believe she stuttered assistant choreographer, and that's a fine distinction. I was assistant choreographer to Kenny Ortega. So uh, what do you want to do points-wise? Give her a point. Give her the full point. Very good. Thank you. Uh, well, besides saying thank you, while we have our expert here, Jessica, is there anything you'd like to ask or say of Miranda Garrison? It's an honor to meet you, and thank you for keeping me company through many, many years. Oh, Dirty Dancing is a film that I go back to every time 
that I am very sad and it makes me very happy. So thank you. Oh, thank you. That's and I'm very not going to cry. I'm a crier. You're welcome cry to cry. I'm not going to lie. We, we, we kind of like crying, but there no pressure. Okay. No pressure. No, no, no. I'll uh, leave it there. It, it must be wonderful to hear that from, from so many people around the world for so many years. Miranda, it's wonderful that you joined us. If people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they do that? Well, I think the easiest thing, honestly, it sounds kind of trite, but Google it because I'm just all over the internet. I am DB gives a list of a 40-year career of acting, dancing, and a lot of choreography. And uh, check it out. Check yeah. it out indeed. We're so happy that you stopped by. Thank you for joining us. Miranda Garrison, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> Look at that smile. We love it. All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that exciting round? At the end of that round, Jessica Salgado has four points, and Drew Carey has four points with a round of questions for Drew coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Drew about a topic he knows about. Plus, later, Jessica and Drew will go head-to-head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Hey, if you're listening to this, it probably means you like our show. And maybe you want to help us out? Well, we've got a great way to help us out, writing a review. Reviews are a great way to help people find the show, and it makes us feel good to read them. Yeah, I'll admit, I read every review, and and it makes me feel good in my little, little heart. (laughs) Plus, we read a five-star review on each episode. And you know what? We're running out of ones to read. So please, whether you use Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, CastBox, or any other podcast platform that lets you rate and review, take a minute now to mark those five stars and let people know why you love what you love. Hey, that's kind of our slogan. And we might even read your name and review on an upcoming episode. Oh, and by the way, if you happen to be the person who uses the name Fixbutch, P-H-X-B-U-T-C-H, you wrote us a great review. Thank you. But, well, your words are great, but you gave us one star? I'm guessing maybe that was an accident. So maybe you could go back and fix it. Or do you enjoy the chaos? Either way, (laughs) thank Thank you, you, listeners who write reviews. Hey there, it's Annabelle Gerwich. And I'm Laura House. We host Tiny Victories, the 15-minute podcast that's about the little things. Getting into the tiny victory frame of mind is about recognizing minor accomplishments and fleeting joys. Isn't it a wonderful day when the first password you try actually works? When it's freezing cold outside and toasty as all get out in my shower, my tiny victory is that I turn off the water and get on with my day. We can't change this big dumb world, but we can celebrate the tiny wins. So join us on Maximum Fun or wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's get tiny! Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Jessica Salgado and Drew Carey. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you so much, Alan. Thank you, everybody. All right, Drew, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the movie The Producers, Garage Band Rock, and Cleveland. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us what the movie The Producers means to you. It's hard to pick a favorite comedy of all time, but mm-hmm. I, that's the one I've seen the most of mm-hmm. all the comedy movies that I love. I pretty much can recite every scene i can mouth the words along with it it's one of the funniest best comedy movies ever made all right great well uh drew you also said you know a lot about garage band rock well i host a show on little steven's underground garage so is that channel 21 on sirius x yes so it's like the backbone of rock and roll it's like the when like the mid-60s era of rock and roll is when everything just exploded there's 
so much to love about it if you're a rock and roll fan. So yeah, I just it's the best. All right. And finally, you said you know a lot about Cleveland. Yeah, I grew up there and moved. Okay. <laughs> Is that all that one needs to know about Cleveland? No. <laughs> no, I've always loved Cleveland, and I always had a chip on my shoulder about it, about people making fun of it. So yeah. when I was growing up, I'd watch Johnny Carson, and he would make Cleveland jokes, and you know, the river caught on fire and all this stuff. So I took pride in the fact that I loved the city more than anybody else and, mm. and saw it in a, a good light and uh, no more good things about Cleveland than the average bear. I know nothing about Cleveland. Is it? It's uh, in Ohio. Okay. <laughs> Your journey begins, Helen. <laughs> yes. Uh, was, that, was that appreciated? Do the people of Cleveland appreciate that, that you've become kind of an ambassador for the city? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Great. I got a key to the city and all that oh. stuff. Yeah. Oh. Do you go back ever? I go, yeah, I do go back. I still own a house back there. I own the house I grew up in. Oh, wow. And uh, I go back to the, I was just back there like a month ago. Oh, very cool. Oh. Yeah. All right. Well, to summarize, Drew, you said you know a lot about the movie, The Producers, Garage Band Rock, and Cleveland. Today, we're going to quiz you about Garage Band Rock. Uh-oh. I'm going to embarrass the whole station. Sorry. I apologize to little Steven. No, ahead of no, time. no, no, no. This is about celebrating what you love. That's all. There is. Sure. I apologize to little Steven ahead of time. Okay. Very good. Very good. I'm sure he <laughs> listens. So first of all, how do you define garage band rock? Because the term wasn't really coined until the 80s to describe a whole bunch of stuff that took place before that. Yeah. I think it was Lenny K came out with a CD set and a collection of songs. And uh, they, yeah, the term was coined later. So it's a, the fuzz tone, it's it's really simple. There's not a lot of overproduction in it. Mid-60s, for sure. That's all you need and to know. And who are some of your favorite bands from that genre? The Knickerbockers, the, you would consider... The Kinks are kind of mod. Uh, yeah, see, I'm blanking already. <laughs> That's right. This has nothing to do with the video game. No, nothing at all to do nothing with the Garage Band. No. I'll uh, be honest, I thought that's what it was. And I was like, oh, Drew, oh my, Drew's so cool. I mean, you're so cool, but. Just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of an expert on your topic, Drew. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about it, each worth one point. Now, if you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints among these five questions. Now, Jessica, do listen closely because you can steal if Drew gets any of them wrong. Jessica, if I have to ask, how much do you know about Garage Band Rock? I thought it was a game. Okay. Girl, me too. That's why I asked. Me too. I'm with you. All right, Drew. I don't know if that makes it more pressure on you or less pressure on uh, you, but uh, here we uh, go. Question number one. Yeah. Drew, just because you start out playing loud rock and roll in a garage doesn't mean you can't have a long career with other styles of music. Take the lead singer of the band Them, who had a hit with the garage rock classic Gloria, but later had even bigger hits with the more mellow Domino, Van Tupelo Honey, and Van Brown Morrison. Eyed Girl. Van who Morrison. was this singer and songwriter... Of Gloria. Van Morrison. I'm sorry, I didn't hear? Van Morrison. <laughs> Helen? I'm sorry, what was it? <laughs> that is correct. That is correct for the point. Very good, Van Morrison. <laughs> Fun fact, Vam's version of Gloria reached number 75 on the Billboard charts. The cover by Shadows of Night made it to number 10. Interestingly, both versions of the song were on the charts at the same time in 1966. That happened a lot back then, yeah. by the way. People would hear a cover and then, well, what was the original? And then they, Yeah, a month they, later they put it yeah. out. I just played the Doors version of it on my show last Friday. Oh, how about that? Very yeah. good. Can I give the hint? Please? Oh, yes. You did not ask for the hint, but Helen, what would that hint have been? It rhymes. With Blam Blorison. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It I sure does. I'm telling you, my joke, my, my hints are fire. Your hints are fire. 
<laughs> All right. Um, what are we doing? Oh, let's play the game. Here's question number two, Drew. The Trashmen were from Minnesota, which is about as far away from a coastline as you can get. Surfing bird. But it's... Settle down. Based on based on Papa Umamao by the Rivingtons. Do you have somewhere to be? Like, do you need to? <laughs> Helen? Wait, you're not going to ask the All question? All right, fine. <laughs> it wasn't a question. Inspired by the music of folks like Dick Dale, the Beach Boys, and Jan and Dean, the Trashman had a huge hit about what kind of sporty bird? Surfing. Helen? <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. It's surfing bird. Very good. Surfing bird, I think, is actually uh, the middle finger. I think that's what's oh, the... Oh, like to flip the bird? Yeah, flip the, that's, yeah, that's the surfing bird. And the, the original song with Papa Umamao mm-hmm. is by the Rivingtons. And if you really like that, like doo-wop kind of music, they the Rivingtons really do the killer version of the Papa yeah. Umamao song. Well, this might be a bit of a letdown, but the fun fact is the lead singer of The Trashman was originally listed on the record as the song's composer, but was changed after the band The Rivingtons threatened to sue <laughs> for plagiarism, which makes sense because The Trashman had indeed completely plagiarized the song... <laughs> By combining two different songs by the Rivingtons. Yes. Thank you. Drew Carey, everybody. All right. All right. Here's question number three. Let's see if I get to finish this one. <laughs> Sorry. Not at all. That's just fine. Sorry. Drew, one garage rock band hit the Billboard Hot 100 four times, but are best remembered for a weepy hit song from 1966. On an alphabetical list, this band usually appears first or last because the band's name does not begin with a letter, but with a punctuation mark. What is this Michigan-based band? Question mark and the Mysterians. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for another point. Wow. Fun fact, their big weepy hit was? 96 Tears, also a great version by Big Mabel. Of that song, too. Yep. Fun fact, their big weepy hit was 96 Tears. The question mark in question mark and the Mysterians is Rudy Martinez. And according to Rolling Stone, he and his bandmates were the first Mexican-American band to have a number one hit on the Billboard charts. Wow. All right, Drew, you're three for three. Here's question number four. Garage band rock wasn't just popular in the 1960s, wasn't just popular in America, and wasn't just made by men. In the late 1970s, an all-female group struggled to chart in the U.S., but were a gigantic hit in Japan, where they regularly sold out concerts, had a TV special, and recorded a live album. The group regained popularity recently as one of their songs was featured in a Marvel movie. What is the name of this group and song? Can I get a hint, please? Oh, now he wants a hint. (laughs) Helen, how about that first hint? The band name is a word that comes before the movie titles Train, Jury, and Bride. The song is what you call a small spherical firecracker. Oh, uh, Cherry Bomb is the name of the uh, song, Mm -hmm. and it's The Runaways. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. You're Gary. Excellent use of the hint. That's, you know, I was going to say The Runaways, but you threw me by saying they weren't a hit in America and had to go to Japan. Well, they struggled to chart in the U.S. Right. The okay. There you go. Yet. Okay. That threw me off a little bit. Okay. Well, it's a number Sorry. four. We're trying to throw you off a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. Drew, you were four for four. You have a chance to go five for five if you can get this question correct. The word wait appears 43 times in the song Time Won't Let Me by The Outsiders. Don't make us wait. Tell us, what was the hometown of The Outsiders? I want to say... Mansfield, Ohio. But I let me get the hint, please. Helen, how about that second hint? It's another one of your topics, and I hear this place rocks. Cleveland. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Drew Carey is five for five. Woo. 
You obviously did very well in that round, but now here is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. Drew, some have argued that the quintessential garage band rock song is in fact the most recorded song of all time, with hundreds of cover versions spanning several decades. In fact, its most famous recording is also a cover, first released in 1963. Listen to this clip of the iconic intro of the song and we'll ask you your questions. All right, for up to three points. First, what is the name of that song? Next, what band's recording of the song was a number two Billboard hit and inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame? And finally, what other garage rock-influenced band did one of the members of this band produce a record for in 1970? Oh, boy, that third one. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Louie Louie, and it is by... Uh, uh, that version of Louie Louie is a band from the Pacific Northwest. They did it all in one take. And I'll give you some facts about the recording of Louie Louie. Uh, okay. <laughs> Eventually, if you want to get to the name of the band, that one might I'll, be helpful. But it, I'll get to it. Yeah. It was investigated by the FBI, by the way, what? because it was sub- considered a subversive song because they couldn't understand the lyrics. 53 seconds in, if you listen really closely, or 56 seconds in, the drummer drops a stick and yells out the F word. <gasps> And once you hear it, you can never unhear what? it. <laughs> I need to, somebody play it right now. And then uh, the drummer has to bring the singer in because the singer comes in in the wrong place. And they did it in one take. So he just uh-huh. And, and who again. is they? Uh, <laughs> so the song is Louie Louie, uh-huh. of course. Uh-huh. And I'm. I, it's like test anxiety. That's fine. That's I fine. I obviously know who it is. Okay. And then what I'm was just the band? Blanking. And then what was the band that was uh, later produced by a member of that band? I'm going to guess the Ramones or the, Ramones. the Stooges, one of those bands, like some punk band. Wh- which one? The Ramones. Like? The Ramones. Okay. I'm taking a guess. I, okay. I have no idea. All right. Helen is taking note of your answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a rock musician, composer, oh. and producer whom you just heard playing keyboards on the most famous garage it's Don Caverhill. Don Caverhill, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Come on out here, Don. Drew is Don here? is right over there. Oh, my God. Hi, man. How are you? Don uh, and Drew embracing warmly. Wow. So it wasn't a one take because that's the story. No. One take around one mic. What about the F-bomb? It, the word was fog. Oh, oh. interesting. <laughs> No. Yo, you, you really can't unhear it, can you? Can I make this up? <laughs> yeah. Don, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Louie Louie and your work on that in just a moment. But I want to let our audience in on your amazing career uh, in music and in other things. You were instrumental in the birth of three rock genres, really. Garage rock, as we've discussed. Punk, uh, which we'll get into from that 1970 album that you produced. And progressive rock, because uh, you were the creative force behind the band Touch, the uh, self-titled album that is considered to be the very first prog rock album. Can I... Uh, Jeff, of course, Drew, jump uh, in. The Kingsman. If only we had a way to edit that answer in, but we just don't have the technology. I'm sorry. Uh... Garage band rock. First of all, sometimes people use that as a way of, of insulting people for not having, you know, great technical skills or great technical equipment. Did you take a garage band rock as, as, a, as an insult or a criticism? I didn't know that they called it that. Now that I know what they call it, right? Right. It's just a bunch of guys that can't play trying. Okay. You know. <laughs> Very you know. good. Yeah. 
Own it. Yeah. Own it. Were you literally playing in your garage before you guys went out and recorded? The garage would have been good. Okay. <laughs> okay. That, that would have been enough. That would have been, that would have been yeah, great. Yeah. What did you guys have? I, we're out the, in the backyard. Yeah. But, you know, it's just you practice and practice that's too strong. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But you, you, looked at, you looked at the people with garages and you were like, oh, if we had walls. No, that yeah. was... <laughs> Amazing. No, that, would, that would be an upscale. So we all know now that the band probably is called the Kingsmen. Uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about... Uh, sorry, Drew. That's all it's right. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> tell us about how uh, the Kingsmen got started and how you were involved and got to play the keyboard on that amazing song. The really short version is we were playing at a teen nightclub. That was a new concept then, a yeah. teenage nightclub. It was owned by a DJ, and in those days a DJ could do their own playlist. Mm -hmm. They said, if you guys could be recording artists, then I could say, the Kingsman recording artists. Yeah. So we went in to record a song. And Louie Louie was well known up there then, and mm -hmm. in Portland, Oregon. We recorded it, 50 bucks, <laughs> and that's all in a jingle studio, you know, yeah. get your dry cleaning or buy an Oldsman. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. And it got released, and of course, it went nowhere. But then some guy found it and put a show together called The Worst Records Ever Made. No! <laughs> and it was part of it. But another DJ back in Boston found it. He uh, locked his uh, control room in the studio and played it three hours straight. No! <laughs> in protest? I mean, could I make this up? Uh, obviously, he was... Impaired? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and you were the beneficiary of that impairment. That's amazing. This is an epic story. Now, uh, Drew, Drew thought that it was one take around one microphone. Was it around one microphone you recorded? The first time we played it, uh, the playback, we all blanched because we thought the singing was terrible. So the, the DJ's there producing it, and he says, you know, no one cares about the singing, they want the Louis. So we tell the engineer, I've turned down the vocal, turn up the music. The guy hated rock and roll. He said, you see where that dial is? That's where it's been, that's where it's gonna stay. <laughs> so he would turn it down, so we're in desperation. We tell the singer, back up for the microphone. <laughs> so finally, the money's gone. We put it up in the air so he can't reach it. <laughs> And that's how you got the room sound. Tell us about why you didn't stay with the Kingsmen, because they went on tour and had some success and other hits I, after that. I was a sophomore in high school, my folks. Yeah. <laughs> my voice hadn't dropped yet. Yeah. Was, Whoa. And so you had to stay home and do your homework. I, I had to stay oh, home wow. and stay at school. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about how you moved on to this other record that you ended up producing. You can reveal now what that record was. Uh, Stooges' uh, Funhouse. The Stooges' Funhouse. The other choice, not the Ramones. Yeah, no. it couldn't have been the Ramones because it was 1970. And the Stooges no, were my second answer. Ramones was a good call. Yeah, no, it was, it, was yeah. In, it was in the ballpark. I knew it was a punk band. Yeah. yeah. You are still making music. You actually have uh, an album that you released recently. Tell us yeah, about I that. Yeah, I just, uh, after a, a long hiatus, I, I wrote a few pieces and I wanted to record them. And so well, I released... because you graduated uh, high school. Yeah. <laughs> and you can now. Yeah. Tell us about this album. What's it called? And where can people Light. find it? It's called Light. Excellent. Yes. I wrote a, a, another one. It's got a little humor in it. It's called Capital Gains. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Well, people can it's look for the that. about the IRS. All right. You'll, you'll love it. Well, people Shh, can look for... Don't tell. Don't yeah, tell. Exactly. <laughs> 
All right, well, let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the questions that we asked of Drew. First of all, we wanted to know what was the name of that song we just heard, which is the quintessential garage band rock song. Helen, what did Drew say? Drew said Louie Louie. And Don? Correct. Correct for the point. Very good. Next, we wanted to know what was the band that had that number two billboard hit and went into the Grammy Hall of Fame with that recording. Helen, what did Drew say? I mean, Drew eventually pulled the Kingsman, but not till like an hour later. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, of course... The Kingsman. The Kingsman, yes. I'm just, sorry, no point there. Of course it was the Kingsman. I was just blanking because I was nervous. So. <laughs> yeah. And finally, we wanted to know what other garage rock-influenced band did one of the members of this band produce a record for in 1970? Helen, what did Drew say? Drew said the Ramones. And Mr. Caverhill? It was uh, Iggy Pop Stooges. Iggy Pop and I, the Stooges. I said the Ramones or the Stooges. You I'm going to go with the Ramones. Yeah, you yes, you went, yeah, yes. You By did. the way, Iggy and the Stooges actually released a version of Louie Louie on a record in 1970. One of the best versions. Yeah, great. I didn't know that it was the most recorded song in history. Is that what you said? The USC marching band has a version of Louie Louie. Yeah. Oh, it's a, they, they played it in the Portland airport for background <laughs> music. No, there's an international... Louis Louis Day. That's no. right. Yes, what? where they played over and over. There's albums that are just covers of Louis Did Louis you guys over know and over. This? One of my radio shows, I played three hours of Louis Louis covers. There you go. We're so happy to have you here. Before we let our guests go, Drew, is there anything else you'd like to say or ask of our expert? I'm so excited to meet you, man. This is exciting, and I'm thank hey, you man. for the the clarification on the name of your band. <laughs> <laughs> Fog. It was so wonderful that uh, you joined us. People want to find out more about you or what you're up to. Don, where can they do that? I've told them you can pull up a lot of things on the internet. Okay, pull them up on the internet. Thanks so much for joining us. We're happy that you pulled up to our show. Don Caverhill of the Kingsmen. Thank you so much, Don. Don Caverhill, everybody. What is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Jessica Salgado has four points and Drew Carey has ten points. All right. It is now time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read ten statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Jessica and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. And you may notice a subtle theme based on tonight's location. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Jessica, we are currently in the Crawford Family Forum. True. Correct. Drew, the Crawford Family Forum is named after supermodel Cindy Crawford. False. Correct. Jessica, the Crawford Family Forum is named after San Francisco Giants shortstop Brandon Crawford. Uh, I'll just say true. Incorrect. No, I'm terribly sorry. Drew, the Crawford Family Forum is named after philanthropist Gordy and Donna Crawford. True. Correct. Jessica, Gordy Crawford was a successful software engineer. True. Incorrect. Drew, Gordy Crawford was a successful book publisher. True. Incorrect. Jessica, Gordy Crawford was a successful investment manager. True. <laughs> Correct. There we are, yes. Over $1 trillion in assets at one time. Drew, Gordy Crawford has one of the world's largest collections of Olympics memorabilia. With that kind of money, sure, true. Correct. Jessica, Gordy Crawford's collection includes an actual Olympic gold medal. True. Correct. Drew, Gordy Crawford's collection includes an actual Olympic torch. True. Correct. <laughs> Jessica, Gordy Crawford's collection includes an actual Olympic gymnast. <laughs> I'm going to say false, but it might be true. <laughs> yeah. No, you were correct. Yeah. Drew, I want to be very clear that I am not implying that the major contributors to this venue owned a gymnast. <laughs> false. <laughs> 
Incorrect. <laughs> Jessica, and that we appreciate the amazing contributions of the Crawford family. True. Yes, thank yes. you so much. Let's give a nice hand to Drew Carey and Jessica Salgado as Helen tabulates the final score. Helen, are you ready to announce the winner on today's show? I am at the end of the game. Jessica Salgado has seven points and Drew Carey has 14 points. Congratulations, Drew Carey. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. Drew, what will you do with your championship? I'm going to donate it to the Crawford family. <laughs> oh, isn't that lovely? <laughs> All is forgiven. I hope. <laughs> I really, really hope. Uh, all right, we're going to wrap up by giving everyone here a chance to uh, promote or mention anything that they have upcoming. Jessica Salgado, where can people find you and what you're up to? Uh, hi, so I'm Jessica Salgado, and you can find me on anywhere on the internet. Google me. I think everybody said that today. I think so, yeah. <laughs> but also, I am going to celebrate the fifth anniversary of my first book, Corazon, November 6th at uh, Dynasty Typewriter, uh, along with the, the beautiful musician Sanchez. So keep an eye out for that, and I hope to see you there. Excellent. We're so happy we saw you here, Jessica Salgado. Drew Carey, we can be find what you're up to. Uh, besides Price is Right and the Friday Night Freak Out, I'm studying to be a docent at the Louis Louis Museum in Portland. <laughs> I understand that they're underwritten by a grant from the Crawford Family Foundation. (laughs) Bad news for you, True. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful that you joined us. Drew Carey, everybody. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is Helen Hong. She's right here. I'm opening up for the Kingsman. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Uh, I have a comedy special out right now called Well Hong. Well Hong. You can find it on every streaming platform except Netflix. <laughs> and, uh, and follow me on the socials at funny Helen Hong. You know why. Because that other woman named Helen Hong, she's not funny. She's not funny, but she is funny. She is Helen. She is Hong. <laughs> Helen Hong. Uh, and me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith or on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Jessica Salgado, Drew Carey, Miranda Garrison, Don Caverhill, everybody here at KPCC's Crawford Family Forum, and thank you for listening and supporting our show at MaximumFun.org. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night! see us live. It's happening again. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. Meanwhile, please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod, update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com, and buy our T-shaped shirt at MaxFunStore.com. And give us a great review on your favorite podcast platform, like QuirkyQuirk13 did on Apple Podcasts. He, she, or they said, I laughed and clapped and smiled along with your live audience. It made my day. Thanks, QuirkyQuirk13, and thank you, Live audience. <laughs> Helen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and Jake Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from KPCC's Crawford Family Forum in Pasadena, California. Questions were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. We are produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun senior producer and general all-around hero is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor is Julian Burrell. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Research assistance provided by Adam Needif. Quiz assistance provided by Clint Tauscher and Brian Phillips. Promotional graphics by Eric Tran. Our live show photographer is Christine Velada. Our stage manager is Dave Bianchi. Special thanks to Jane Brucker, Audrey Palmieri, and Christina Papadopoulos at Initiative PR. Monica Virgen Zamora. 
Alec Palau at Ace Records, Mike Stacks of Ugly Things Magazine, Chris Bishop of GarageHangover.com, Sarah Rodenbach, and Robin Randall, composer of the original Dirty Dancing theme song, whose CD collection, Holly Ridgeland, can be found wherever you buy CDs. For KPCC, John Cohn, Executive Director, Rebecca Stummy, Events Producer, Tony Federico, Technical Director, Kristen Payne, Audience Services and Events Manager, and Federico Garcia Rodriguez, Audio Engineer. I've been Helen Hong! Let's go listen to Lou and Louie! And watch Dirty Dancing! MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.